Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, welcome back to Behind the Horror. Scary movie fans such as myself will hear that a movie is based on a true story. A few of them we know, but most we never go on to find out just what that true story is. So in this series, we will explore and find out exactly what the true story is behind the movies we love. The 1988 movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow, starts us out in 1978, Haiti. A man by the name of Christoph dies under mysterious circumstances in a missionary clinic. There is a parade going on just outside of the clinic, and it's a voodoo parade. Also, just outside the clinic window stands a man dressed in a suit, watching the parade. Then the next day, Kristoff is buried. The man in the suit is also at Kristoff's funeral. Then we see the coffin being lowered as Kristoff is inside. His eyes open and he begins to cry, but he is unable to move. Now, fast forward seven years. Dr. Dennis Allen is an ethnobotanist from Harvard University. Dennis travels the world, going to the most remote locations to search for rare herbs and whatnot to help further improve or find new discoveries that will benefit mankind. So he gets called into a meeting with a huge pharmaceutical company and they offer him an opportunity to go to Haiti to investigate reports of a man that had died, was fully buried, and then, quote, rose from the grave. The suits tell him that they think this was due to a powder-type drug that voodoo practitioners use to make a person appear dead and then induce a zombie-like state, and that it will be a very important substance for modern medicine. Dennis, of course, accepts the mission and flies down to Haiti at once. He teams up with a doctor down there, and together, they track down this supposed zombie man. And when they find him, he, of course, is nervous and scared, but he does tell them that it was a powder blown into his face that soaked through his skin. 
Dr. Dennis goes out to investigate and find this powder, and those who possess it notice him immediately. He is told to leave Haiti or else. The kind doctor, of course, finds himself in quite the predicament. So what happens next? Those of you that have seen the movie already know, and the rest of you will just have to watch to find out. And I highly recommend this movie. It's a Wes Craven movie. It goes without saying that it's just good all the way around. This movie is based on the works of PhD Canadian anthropologist, ethnobotanist, author and photographer Wade Davis, and he did attend Harvard University. And as if that isn't impressive enough, he's also a writer, a filmmaker, and a licensed river guide, and has also worked as a park ranger and a forestry engineer. Wade also had the opportunity to travel to remote places through the Harvard Botanical Museum. One such journey had him in the Amazon and Andes for over three years, exploring and looking at plants. He lived with about 15 different indigenous tribes in a total of eight Latin American nations, all while collecting botanical samples. He also did ethnographic fieldwork with several more indigenous people of Northern Canada doing very much of the same kind of research. And during his travels, he was an avid photographer and the pictures he took have now appeared in over 20 books as well as over 80 magazines and journals and newspapers. He's been featured in National Geographic. Oh, a dream. Time, Geo, People, Men's Journal, and some of his photography is displayed in these grand exhibits, such as the International Center of Photography, um, a gallery in Washington, D.C., the Cultures on the Edge exhibition at the United Nations. Um, it's displayed at the actual Harvard and on and on. And his photography is also displayed in other countries. Wade has also written and published over 180 scientific articles that speak about Amazonian myths and religions, how religions affect the global biodiversity, how different societies use psychotropic drugs, and so on. He has been published in all of the big magazines like, again, National Geographic, Newsweek, Fortune, Natural History, Scientific American, the Wall Street Journal, and on and on. He is on the board of directors for the Amazon Conservation Association. He's won so very many prestigious awards. And as if that were not impressive enough, Wade has apparently created, been the subject of, and inspiration for many documentary movies and even three episodes of The X-Files. So, I mean, with a resume like that, it seems like he would be such an interesting man to just sit and talk to. It would take me an hour to list every achievement that he has earned or received, but I wanted you guys to be able to get the idea that this man is celebrated for his talents and his knowledge. 
Now, in February of 1982, while at Harvard, Wade Davis's colleague called him into his office for a chat. Wade was then told about some things going on down in Haiti, such as reports of zombies. Yes, real zombies roaming this tiny nation, so to speak. He was able to obtain a report from a team of physicians who worked in Haiti that showed a few verifiable cases of zombification. In other words, people who supposedly died then just reappeared a few years later. So Wade's colleague asked him if he'd like to go down there to, quote, infiltrate the secret societies down there to secure the formula for folk preparation used to make zombies, unquote. And as I'm sure you can imagine, he excitedly agreed and immediately traveled to Haiti and investigated these claims for himself. He said in a lecture that he gave at the Annenberg Space for Photography that within 24 hours of arriving there, he said, quote, something was made available to me that has eluded me in all those years in the Amazon, and that was truly a window wide open to the mystic, unquote. He is, of course, speaking of voodoo. So here's a little bit of history about that religion. Haitian voodoo is a religion based on the West African Vodun, but of course practiced in Haiti. The people that practice are called voodooists or servants of the spirits. And to call voodoo a religion isn't really quite correct either. It's more of an experience that weaves the soul and the body together to tie them and bind them to each other. They also believe in a supreme god called Bondier, derived from the French word bon Dieu, meaning good god. Now, once Catholicism was introduced, the supreme creator was kind of melded in with the Christian god, as well as the adoption of the Catholic saints. Now, their supreme creator or God is, in their mind, unreachable, of course. So, the voodoo practitioners instead pray to the lesser saints or spirits they call Loa, the most famous being Papa Legba, who is the guardian of the crossroads, who is also portrayed in the television series American Horror Story Coven. They also have a spirit for love, a spirit for rain and magicians, a spirit of agriculture, and the Marasa, who are the divine twins that were the first children of the Supreme Creator. Now, each Loa or spirit is associated with a certain Catholic saint. Legba is associated with Saint Anthony the Hermit, though I question why because Papa Legba is the spirit of the crossroads, right? And where are my supernatural fans? And St. Anthony sought out this life of solitude and quiet, and so I can't figure out how they relate. But I digress. There are many more spirits, but you get the idea. Now, the moral code, if you will, focuses on combating greed and promoting honor. 
it is in itself ritualistic dancing and magic and they're those are both very important it's centered on relationships with multiple spirits and ancestors but as anything outside of christianity often is it was persecuted and therefore forced underground practiced mostly in secret now there is of course so much more to this beautiful religious practice and it is super interesting to me but let's get back to dr davis now wade was determined the quote zombie state was induced by some kind of poison that was associated with the process and he wanted to research its properties to see if it might have some potential use in, as I said, modern day medicine. If you want to see some of his wonderful photographs from his time down in Haiti while he was researching, you can actually visit his website, daviswade.com backslash photographs backslash Haiti. But I want to warn you that there is some mild nudity, so keep that in mind if you have little podlings running around. So Wade did his homework on the history of Haiti and how it was the first successful slave revolt nation and how very high U.S. military officers are the ones that spoke horrible stories about how voodoo was this black magic and it was evil and how they used voodoo dolls and shoved pens in them and how they cooked and ate children and all kinds of craziness and nonsense. Voodoo in and of itself is not evil. It is pure. The Haitians saying that what normal Christians go to church to do is, you know, to pray to God while they become one with God or experience the deity within them, so to speak. So as he was researching the zombie phenomenon in Haiti, he hypothesized that the zombies could be explained through science and culture. He believed the people who were made into zombies were exposed to two different chemical powders and some continued to keep the quote victim exposed in smaller quantities for the effects of the amnesia, the delirium, and the suggestibility. So out of these powders, the first powder renders the person paralyzed and therefore completely helpless and vulnerable. He determined the composition of this powder was a few different substances, such as human remains, dried toad and lizards, dried sea worms, and puffer fish. So as most of us know, the puffer fish has a toxin and we've all heard that you must be careful if you're going to eat it. The toxin is concentrated in the liver, the gonads, and the skin of the pufferfish. The level of toxicity depends completely on the season. So in Japan, they consider it safe to eat from October through March. The neurotoxin is responsible for a lot of human intoxications and deaths each year, usually resulting in paralysis, heart failure, and death. It is likely that this is the ingredient in the first powder that causes that effect. The second powder suspends the mental faculties of the victim. 
Now, Davis wasn't actually able to get his hands on a sample of it, but he strongly believed it contained Datura stramonium, sometimes called Jimson weed or the zombie's cucumber. This was used way back in the day to help people who suffered from asthma, but now users abuse it because of its psychedelic effects. Ingesting any part of the plant can lead to hallucinations. Now here comes the big disclaimer. Do not go out looking for this shit and put it in your mouth. You don't know the potency or how your body will react to it and you'll wind up eating something that only looks like this plant or God forbid whatever else and I'm not having your death on my conscience, okay? Okay. So Wade went about interviewing several people who believed that they were zombies. And what they define as being a zombie is just a loss of individuality. And that is a fate worse than death, which I agree with. Sort of a form of enslavement. And it is the worst punishment that the community could impose onto someone for, you know, breaking the moral code, as they say. So the effects of the powder and the specific ritual the person was put through during their paralysis and hallucinations gave the others the sense that the voodoo priest had essentially made that person, quote, undead. Waite really threw himself deep into the culture during his time in Haiti. He was also able to bring a sample of the first powder back with him to analyze. And y'all know Wade's work was not without its share of scrutiny and backlash. People have tried to say that he didn't calculate the amount of pufferfish toxin correctly, or that the supposed zombies were nothing more than a case of mistaken identity or just straight up mental illness. Some other scientists studied it and said that there was little to no tetrodotoxin in the sample. But Wade argued that it could be from many factors, from sample degradation all the way to errors in the tests that were performed and he stood behind his findings. And as well-educated and well-researched and as much time as this man has spent out doing all of the things, I have a tendency to believe him too. So Dr. Wade Davis wrote and published his book called The Serpent and the Rainbow, a Harvard scientist's astonishing journey into the secret societies of Haitian voodoo, zombies, and magic. And it was published in 1985. That book served as the inspiration for the 1988 horror movie of the same name, Though I watched an interview with Wade where he stated he distanced himself from the movie because one, it was not really following his book there after a bit, and two, he really just couldn't handle the media attention from it. He said he would much rather be in the jungles with indigenous people. And, and I get that. I, I feel that. He has now joined the University of British Columbia as a professor of anthropology. So, when we think of zombies, we see the rotting flesh of people who have died and reawakened as something else, entirely not human anymore. 
They are the stuff of nightmares, all the way to tremendously successful TV shows and movies. With their torn and decrepit clothing, skin and bowels hanging, they either awkwardly shuffle at us, moaning and growling for our flesh, or, even more frightening, they run full sprint, screaming in that loud, shrill, pterodactyl way, and then we know humanity has no chance. They sometimes represent humans longing for immortality, and other times they are to show us the error of our over-consumerist ways, forgetting what's truly important. In Haiti, it's more about the loss of the self, of your own moral compass, and thus being enslaved, which is, as we said, a fate worse than death. Thanks for listening. Music by Kevin MacLeod on Incompetech.com.